Don't you just love Alfredo? <laughs> Good morning. My name's Natalie, and I oversee social action here at King's Church, as well as Hope at King's, which is our community action hub. And it's a real privilege to be speaking this morning as we continue our Following Jesus series. Um, I've been finding it really, really helpful. Um, I hope you have too. And this morning, I'm going to be talking about how we can't follow Jesus on our own. It's not something we can do on our own. We were not saved. We were not chosen by God to live in isolation. It's not supposed to be, the Christian life is not supposed to be just Jesus and me, or just you and Jesus on your own. In fact, when God created the first human, Adam, God said it's not good for him to be alone. And that was even though Adam had God right there with him. Adam was in perfect relationship with God, and yet God still said that Adam needed people. You and I were created to be part of community. We were created to be part of a family. So no matter how self-reliant you are, no matter how independent you are, you were made, you were designed to be in close, meaningful relationships with other people. The Greek word that's translated into two words in our language, the two words one another, is used a hundred times in the New Testament part of the Bible. So we're told loads of things we need to do to one another. Let me give you just a few examples. We're told to love one another, be at peace with one another, accept one another, be kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving to one another, to confess to one another, to serve to one another, to be devoted to one another to tolerate one another, I think that one's kind of funny, to honour one another, to be humble towards each other, to speak truth to one another, to comfort one another, to spur each other on to love and good deeds, to pray for one another, to be hospitable to one another. That's just a few of them. There's a hundred times it's used in the New Testament. And followers of Jesus, those of us who believe in Jesus, we are called the body of Christ. We're called the body of Christ, and we're also told we're being built into as living stones to become one together. Something you can't do on your own. You as a part of a body can't exist on your own. You as a living stone, well, on your own, you're just a stone. You're not part of something bigger and greater, but we were not created to live independently. We were created to live interdependently. We're meant to live in deep community with each other. When God chose you and God chose me to be adopted into his family, to be his beloved child, it wasn't just for you. It wasn't just for me. And I think that in our incredibly individualistic culture, this is something we really need to hear. We really need to meditate on the fact that we weren't just brought into God's family just for ourselves. It's not just about us. Last time I spoke here in April, I talked about the fact that each one of us is made in the image of God, made to reflect him. As Tim Keller puts it, God doesn't make junk. God made you, you personally, to reflect something of him to those around you. You are made for God's good pleasure, but not just for God's pleasure but he's also made you for the people in this room or at home, the people you know in your family, in your household, in your friendship group, in your workplace, in the church, this church, or if you're a part of a different church. 
God has made us for each other. We're not just made for ourselves. We were made to help others, to love others, to support, to encourage, to do all those one another things that I just mentioned. You were not just made for God's joy and God's glory, but you were also made for the people that he has placed around you. And they were made for you as well. I think we're going to look at one of the strangest verses in the Bible. I find this verse incredibly odd. And it's basically 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1 where the Apostle Paul encourages other Christians to imitate him. So what he says is, what he church is this, be imitators as I am of Christ. In another translation of the Bible, the New King James Version, it's phrased like this, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. I just think this is such an odd thing in our culture, in our day and age, for someone to say, isn't it? Can you imagine if I stood here this morning and said, my message this morning is that you should all imitate me. I think that um, you'd probably think I was pretty arrogant, and a few of you would hopefully take me to one side and have a chat with me about my ego and maybe urge me to have some humility. But the Apostle Paul actually writes something like this a number of times in his letters. Um, We're going to give you a couple more examples. So in 2 Thessalonians 3, verses 7 to 9, he wrote, You yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor we worked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but it was to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. So here, Paul is talking about behaving in a certain way, specifically so that the Thessalonian Christians would imitate him. He wanted them to copy his behavior. He wanted to set them an example. He wanted them to see how he acted and then to mimic his behavior or to imitate his behavior. Um, in In the New International Version of the Bible, it's translated like this. We did this in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate it. It was deliberate. It was something that Paul did intentionally. It wasn't an accident. He wanted the Christians around him to see his way of life and to imitate him. He also says something similar to the Philippian Christians as well. So in Philippians chapter 4, he says this, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Again, it's kind of a weird thing, isn't it? Imagine if I said, whatever you've seen in me, whatever you've learned from me, whatever you've heard from me, that's what you should do. You should put that into practice. I think it's it's so different to what we would expect in our day and age. But Paul is living his life in a deliberate way in front of other Christians so that they will be able to follow his example. He knows that he wasn't just saved by God for himself but that he was saved for other people as well, to be an encouragement, to be a model, to be an example, that others might look at his life and go, I want to live like that too. I want to follow Jesus like that too. This can be part of who I am as well. And one final example from the writer to the Hebrews, who writes in chapter 13, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So we've got an example from Paul of how we're to imitate his behavior. And then we've got an instruction here from imitate your leader's faith. You who are more mature than you in the faith and imitate their faith. Be like them. Copy them. Now, imitation isn't something we really talk about a lot, is it? 
I don't think I've ever heard anyone say, oh, I'm imitating so-and-so. Oh, this is the person I'm imitating at the moment. It's just not language that we're particularly familiar with or that we use um, in everyday language. But it seems clear to me, especially as I've looked into it to prepare for this morning, that in the Bible, imitating other people is a good thing. That as all of us, we're, all of us who are Christians, it says in the Bible that we have been called to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's in Romans 8. We are supposed to, above everyone else, imitate Christ. We're supposed to be imitators of Jesus. We're supposed to be becoming more and more like him. In fact, God's primary goal for us as Christians is that we would become more and more like Jesus. That's what he called us to. He hasn't called us to comfort. He hasn't called us to convenience. If you're looking in on the Christian faith and wondering what's it all about, it's not about an easy life, a rosy life where everything's going to be convenient and comfortable. It's actually about becoming more and more like Jesus. And God loves us exactly as we are. He does. He loves us exactly as we are. He saved us knowing us completely. Knowing all our flaws, all our strengths and weaknesses, everything we would do well and everything we do wrong. But he has given us, he's equipped us with the tools that we need to become more and more like Jesus. So as Christians, we look at Jesus and we find him so beautiful, don't we? The more we gaze upon him, the more beautiful we find him. That's actually what being a Christian is about, isn't it? It's looking at Jesus for our whole lives and finding him more and more and more beautiful. And I don't know about you, but the more I look at Jesus, the more I realize that I'm not like him in many ways. I look at him and he's so wonderful. He's so different to me. He's so amazing in every way. He's so pure. He's so wise. He's so gentle. He's so tender-hearted. He's so loving. He's so... And we have been given the Holy Spirit to help us. We've been given the Holy Spirit. We can't do it on our own, actually. It's not something we can do. We can try with all our human effort, but we won't get very far. We need the Holy Spirit to empower us, to help us, to fill us. But even with the Holy Spirit, we weren't meant to do it without other people. It's not just about God's work in our life, as wonderful as that is. It's about us as a community, as a family of believers. God gives us gifts of people. We are gifts to each other. You are gifts to me. I was going to say I'm a gift to you as well, but that sounds funny, but I am. (laughs) We can't do it on our own. We all have blind spots. We all need to help each other along on the journey. And like I said, last time I spoke here, I talked about how we all are made in the image of God and can reflect something of him in specific ways, unique ways. And actually what that means is if you reflect God to me in specific and unique ways, then of course it means there's something in you that I can imitate. It means there's something about you where I can learn something about God and I can go, I can imitate you just as you are imitating Christ. The fact is that in reality we are shaped by the people we spend time with. We can be shaped in good ways, we can be shaped in bad ways. The fact is that whoever we're spending time with, chances are we are becoming more like them. They shape people and they shape us. And, and it's good to not just be aware of that, but to be really... So who are you imitating? Who are you imitating? 
I'm pretty good at imitating people in some ways. Um, I don't mean doing impressions of them. What I mean is that um, I'm really, really observant about the way people speak and the words they use and the language that they use. And so when I was a journalist, I found it very easy to move from publication to publication and write in their style very quickly. I found it very easy just to mimic the style in front of me. I could pick it up quickly. I could write as if I'd been writing there for years just because I was good at observing it and copying it. And when I worked for Newground, uh, which is the family of churches that we belong to, um, I used to work for Newground running communications and I would draft a blog or something like that for Dave Holden, who leads that family of churches. And he would read it and sometimes he would say, it's spooky because it sounds just like me even though you wrote it. So I can learn someone's voice, I can learn the words and phrases or their patterns of speech quite quickly and can imitate it, particularly in writing. And that's kind of what the Apostle Paul and the author to the letter to the Hebrews are encouraging us to do in the verses that we've looked at. They're basically saying, in effect, observe our behavior, observe how we speak, how we act, how we live. Observe the faith of your leaders, observe the mature believers around you and mimic them copy them or imitate them. So when I first started working for the church, which was almost 10 years ago now, I sat at a desk next to a guy called Santino, who many of you will know. So Santino was one of the leaders here. And one of the things I noticed in my first few weeks working for the church was that San was very, very quick to apologize. It caught me off guard. I actually found it quite disarming, especially, you know, if you're kind of having a tense moment with someone, and then you're still feeling quite angst-ridden about it, but they apologize. It kind of just um, takes your feet out from under you, doesn't it? But I noticed that, you know, we would have some slight disagreements or there might be a little uh, in a particular conversation. But within a few minutes, Santino would say something to me like, hey, I'm sorry, buddy. Those of you who know him, you'll recognize that sort of language, his way of speaking. Hey, I'm sorry, buddy. And he would say something like, oh, do you know, I'm just in such a grumpy mood today. Or he'd say, oh, that thing you just said, it really just pushed a button for me. And so I'm sorry I reacted that way. Um, and I remember thinking, either the second or third time this happened, I want to be like Santino. I think Jesus wants me to be like Santino. I want to be someone who's quick to apologize. Because the truth is that I wasn't. I wasn't like that at all. So I started imitating Santino. Um, even if I didn't feel like saying sorry... I saw how powerful and gracious it was when he did it. So I just started doing it. I just started making myself do it, even if the feeling wasn't there. Um, because I saw how much it honored Jesus when he did it and how um, effective it was for just bringing peace. And so saying sorry quickly has become more and more and more natural to me over the last 10 years since I started copying Santino. Another friend of mine who many of you all know is Joe Mutu, who leads our youth work here at King's. And when Joe and I started to become friends about six or seven years ago, I really noticed how excited Joe is about Jesus. I really noticed there was something about her where she just, was, she just oozed excitement at the idea that one day we will see Jesus face to face. When we prayed together, or when we prayed in our leadership team meetings, I would really notice that Joe's prayers seemed so much more focused on Jesus than mine did. I don't think there was anything particularly wrong with my prayers, by the way. It's not that, you know, I was, you know, I, I was focused on Jesus. But even if it was thanking God for what he'd done for me, I was just aware that actually it would soon be very me-focused. Whereas when Joe prayed, 
she could seem to be able to spend ages just thanking God for who he is, for saying how much she loved him, uh, how wonderful he is, how much she longs for that day when we'll see him face to face, when we're going to bow down and worship him. And I noticed that Joe just seemed to have this adoration for Jesus that I didn't have. It was, mine wasn't the same. It wasn't that I didn't adore Jesus. It's just that hers was at a whole another level. Her heart seemed more worshipful than mine. And I could have beat myself up about that. I could have compared myself to Joe and thought, oh, she's just a better Christian than I am. Or, oh, you know, she just loves God more than I do or whatever. But this isn't about comparison. This is about seeing something in other people and saying, I'm going to go for that too. I'm go- I want to be like that, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be like that. Not because I want to be Joe, but because I see something in her that makes me want to love Jesus more and more. So I started to do that. I started to make a conscious effort in my own prayer times to focus more on the majesty and the wonder of Jesus for myself. Um, and to focus more on him than on myself. And it not only changed the way I pray, but it changed my whole relationship with Jesus and actually became crucial when I went through a really difficult time a few years ago. Like I said, when the Apostle Paul says, imitate me, he's not talking about comparing ourselves to others and feeling like we're not good enough or we don't measure up somehow. It's not that at all. It's about seeing the work of Christ in other people and thinking, I can learn from you. I can be, if I, if I imitate you in this, I'm going to become more mature in my faith. I'm going to become more like Jesus. Let me give you another example from my own life. One of my weaknesses is self-discipline. Um, historically, I have never been a disciplined person. I'm, I'm a little bit chaotic. I'm one of those people who has a really messy desk in the office. Some of my colleagues aren't happy about that. Um, I'm not a morning person. I'm always late. I'm very motivated by a deadline, which means I leave most things to the last minute. That's kind of the way I am. But for years, I have been saying to God, I want to be more disciplined. I just don't seem to be able to do it on my own. I've prayed for a miraculous transformation where God would just, you know, I'd wake up one morning suddenly at 6 a.m. And then I'd be like, yeah, now I'm a 6 a.m. person and I just love it. Um, And I've tried over the years various things with you know, just different degrees of success and many, many degrees of failure, to be honest with you. Um, But one of the things I've prayed a lot over the years is, God, would you give me someone who is really disciplined? Would you give me someone in my life who's really disciplined so that I could imitate them? But I know quite a lot of people who are disciplined, but I needed someone not just to imitate, but someone who would really want to invest in me and help me become more disciplined. And so at the beginning of the pandemic... Um, after years of praying this, I feel like God really answered this prayer by um, bringing a friend, an old friend, back into my life. So I've got a friend called Faye who lives in North Yorkshire. She is literally the most disciplined person I've ever met, as far as I know, um, in my life. I mean, she um, is disciplined. She has dedicated every time for praying, for reading the Bible, for exercising, for eating. Like every, She is super disciplined. And As soon as we started to become friends again and I saw this in her, I was like, I need that. That's what I need in my life. So I basically said to God, I want to be like Faye. And I said to Faye, can you help me to become more disciplined? Now, of course, there's been not been any overnight, you know, radical transformation. I didn't I don't wake up at 6 a.m. and go, woohoo, I can't wait to get up and start the day. That hasn't happened. But several things have happened. Let me just give you a few examples. So This might surprise some of you who know me, but up to a year ago, I think I'd only finished reading one Christian book in the last 10 years. 
So I'd started reading loads. I just couldn't finish them. Well, I just didn't finish them. It's not like I couldn't. I just didn't. And so since daily reading with my friend Faye, since last July, I'm nearly finished with book 12 all the way through. Um, my Bible reading has improved. My exercise, I can't even believe that I'm about to say this, but for 15 weeks, I've got up before work almost every day and exercised. I don't even know who I am anymore, to be honest with you. It's such a shock. I'm spending more time with God, longer time with God um, on a daily basis. I'm eating more healthily. Now, Faye and I joke that she's like a drill sergeant to me, but actually having someone who's prepared to really encourage me to keep going in a really active daily way. How are you doing today? Are you on it? Are you keeping going? But also gives me grace when I mess up and encourages me not to quit. That has been so transformative. And there's loads of other examples I could mention. Uh, Tons of other people, you know, I, I look at people like Paul Mann and think he's so wise and I'm trying to learn that from him. I could have given you so many examples, even of people in this room who I imitate in different ways. But I think this is one of the key reasons God has given us to each other, so that we can become more like Jesus by helping one another, by doing it together, by not trying to do it on our own. Do you know, it's hard sometimes to follow Jesus. It's hard to do it on our own anyway. It's hard to become more like Jesus without others to help us along the journey. Because we've got blind spots, we've got weak areas, we're not all created the same, we're different, so we need each other's help. As well as the question though, who are you imitating? I think it's really good to ask ourselves, who's imitating me? Who's imitating me? Now some of you might dismiss yourselves here and say, well there's nothing about me worth imitating. Do you know what, if you say that to yourself, that's a lie. It's not true. Because you're made in the image of God. And you're made to reflect him to others. So there is something about you, at least one thing, I'm sure many things, that others can imitate about you. Whatever God's put in you, whether it's self-discipline, compassion, generosity, hospitality or wisdom, you're meant to be sharing that with others. So if people say to you, oh, you're so compassionate, oh, you're so kind, you're so hospitable, that's the sort of thing that actually God wants you to share and replicate in other people. We're meant to be helping each other grow in God. We're meant to be helping each other to follow Jesus. And he's given us as gifts to each other so that we can. So as I finish now, we're just going to spend a bit of time actually reflecting on these two questions. Just to take a moment to think, who are you imitating? Or who would you like to imitate if you haven't really thought like this before? And who's imitating you? Who could you draw alongside to help become more like Jesus. So let's just take a moment, do it if you want to close your eyes or bow your head or whatever helps you to focus. I think we're going to put some music on while we do this. We're just going to reflect on these two questions. <laughs>